Hello and welcome to the Wind Thieved Hat. Dan Nelkin is on a mission. He's passionate about helping creative people create and get over what's stopping them. A forklift driver and advertising copywriter by trade, his book, A Self-Help Guide for Copywriters, was a huge breakout hit during the pandemic. I wanted to speak to Dan, not just because I'm on a similar mission or because I wanted to talk about copywriting per se, but because I know he has things to say that are helpful to anyone who's plucking up the courage to begin their own creative journey. It's a fascinating chat. We talk about Dan's chaotic and lawless early years. He introduces me to Alan, the scared little voice inside his head. And he explains how he got over a lifetime habit of not finishing stuff and finally found fulfillment. We recorded our conversation down the line. There are kids in the background and a little bit of hammering, but there's also lots of great conversation. Sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 31 of The Wind Thieved Hat. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. So great to meet you. Yeah, it's lovely to have you here. I'm, re- I'm really excited to talk to you today. You're, 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 you're. I, I'm kind of out west here in Wales. You know, people in mm. London say you're out west, but but you're really out west, aren't you? I'm really out west. Yeah, I'm. I'm in the prairies of Canada today, visiting visiting the in-laws. But I'm I'm as far west as you can go in Canada. I live in Vancouver. Excellent. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Never never, never been to Vancouver. No. I'd, I'd love to go. I hear good things about Vancouver. It's beautiful. You know, every time I travel anywhere, I think, you know, the first day I kind of fall in love. Like, Could I live here? And then by the end of the trip, I just come home and the mountains, the ocean, it's just, it's yeah. just such a beautiful place. So I'm yeah. sure I can beat it, but it's a, it's a tough place to beat for sure. Well, I'm really looking forward to our, our conversation today. We will roam far and widely around the subject of creativity. Um, but um, but you did say to me you were you were happy to chat about anything. Almost no question is off limits, including Uh-oh. my wife's age and weight. So I thought we'd begin there. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I'll bring her in. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Obviously, uh, no. We we should leave your wife out of this, probably. Oh, she's 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 funny. I I'm recording my first online course, and we're we're very different in some ways. Um, she's just more in terms of I'm an open book and she's not. And so I have some pretty bad outtakes as I'm recording this course. And she said that one in particular, uh, you need to just destroy and burn. And my first thought was, no, I'm sharing that one with whoever my, my newsletter subscribers or whatever. So I haven't yet, but I, but I will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Recording a course. We can talk about that as well. That's a nightmare, isn't it? God, a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't do it if you're listening. Don't ever do it. No, I'm let, let's let's um, let's let, let's begin with another line from our initial email exchange. You, you said I'm, I'm most passionate about helping creative people create and get over what's stopping them. As I'm starting to do it, I'm realizing a lot of things I told myself or what I was so afraid of were all lies, which seemed to me really interesting. What, so, what, yeah. what what can you give us an example of? Uh, some of those things that you've discovered were, were may not as true as you thought. You know, I think, my, I don't want to say I started a bit older. I feel like I have in my late 40s now in my career. And I just know how many ideas I've had and haven't pursued and just abandoned or ideas I've talked about. And then it was just enough for someone to say, you know, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, okay. And then it would just fade away and go. And because I kind of got sick of myself a little bit. And as I got older and had a second kid, I just started to accept and go, okay, I think I had to accept. I might never make anything. And I really didn't like that feeling. So it's kind of part of the momentum that started me down this path. And so many of the things that stopped me, call them fears or whatever, excuses, I think they start as fear. And then we don't like to say we're scared. Um, we don't know something, so we blame it on time, or we have all these excuses. I don't have time. I've just had kids, all of these things. And I think what you start to realize, or a big one is, I don't know what I want to do. 
think so many mm-hmm. people say that, and that's why I don't do anything. Well, I have a full-time job. I can't do that. Or for people like us who are professional creatives, it's all of my creativity goes into my work. Mm-hmm. So like you say, once you, I just felt like a volcano that was about to erupt. I had to do something. Yeah. And you build up. It's like this monster. And then you do start and try some of the ideas that have failed or haven't gone anywhere. And really what I realized happened, because I get to the same point all the time now, is this fear, this frustration, I feel less than. And those are the things that used to stop me. And then I would just say, I don't have time. And somehow I believed those lies. Mm -hmm. It it was not about the time. And then you have a life, in my case, where I felt like I'm working in a career that's not the perfect fit for me. And in life in general, I don't have the joy that I want. I don't have the freedom that I want. And I'm constantly frustrated in my work. And I feel a freedom from all of that. And I experience now bits of all of that now that I'm creating for myself. All of that stuff I wanted Mm. is just on the other side of putting my head down and fighting through my tantrums or whatever they were, you know, or I would feel less than that. I'm just not good enough. And then I would stop or I don't know something or I didn't have the patience to stick with something like the book that I wrote, you know, it was just, I don't know exactly somewhere like five to seven years from the time it started to finish. I would go six months of not working on it, but I just wouldn't let it go. And there were countless times I wanted to stop. Same with this course, this course, the book started as a course and I never did. And I know why, because I was, like you in this interview, I've, I would have been so terrified, but now I've done a bunch of them and I'm more comfortable. That's just how it works. And then that joy and freedom and all the things that we want are just on the other side of doing stuff. Yeah. And it almost yeah, yeah. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You start to figure out like that. The thing that stops people is they say they don't know what they want to do, but like doing something for yourself yeah. is not nothing. It may not be the exact thing i've said before there's no like idea lottery that you're going to win there's no light that's going to shine and say this is what you're supposed to do you know you just have to do something and it's actually you know people always talk about how hard it's not hard it's actually i love it doing this stuff i don't have as much time because i have to make a living but that's starting to go down as i am making more doing this it might take me five more years i don't think it'll take that long but the momentum builds and then that's all you want to do and yeah. in your spare time and you just do less dumb shit. I do anyway. I'm, I'm more efficient when I have time to work. I don't want to waste it. I want to work on this thing that I love because it gives me all the feelings that have kind of um, escaped me for a long, long time. Yeah. Long answer. But uh, that's great. It sets the context for um for, for, for our conversation for sure it's interesting isn't it that I, I, and it's particularly true with creative pursuits that we allow these little sort of voices in our heads to present us with reasons which are sufficient for stopping us doing the thing for doing something yeah, yeah. else for putting up with the job that's not quite rewarding enough but it's only when one stops to really think about those reasons and sort of recognize them for the sort of subterfuge that they are, yeah. Yeah. that you can that you can get past them. Okay. There's yeah. a really nice thing. Um, you know the book, um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm-hmm. This book, yeah. I have read and, that book. Yeah, quite a famous book about creativity. Yeah. And I, and mm-hmm. I, it's one of those books that I bought years ago, and and I've been meaning to read. And I, I only picked it up recently. And one of the activities in there that I think is really interesting is is, is the morning pages, um, mm-hmm. where you just get up. And you write three sides of, of A4 and you don't read them afterwards. You don't share them with anybody, but it's a way of just sort of expunging the kind of little noise, the noise in your head that gets in the way, just, just getting it out mm-hmm. of the way. And I, yeah. I, I, I've been doing this a bit myself recently. I have to say that not all the voices go away, but, um, but some of them do. Yeah. I, I named mine. I said recently that I think it just, so it's cool being a professional creative in advertising because you can't avoid that voice. You know, it comes up all the time. And then when you do something for a while, I I said like my 
experience has gone up. I've gotten older, but somehow my insecurity in that voice had stayed the same in 20 years of doing this. I was like, after a while, you're like, come on, that yeah, thing yeah, is yeah. still eight years old or whatever it is. It's just scared. It wants to protect me. And if I stay the same and don't do anything, it's going to feel safe, but I'll be unhappy. And you're like, okay, I need to stop listening to that little boy, that scared little boy, because that's not going to control me anymore. And so I do. And his name is Alan. I call him Alan. He's a little boy who's pissed his pants. And when that voice comes up, I no longer let it lead things. I'm like, oh, hey, Alan. And that's usually enough to whatever he scurries away. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's um, that's that's really interesting. I, there was a line actually I read in the book um, uh, about in, uh, about bringing bringing out the those little sort of doubts into the open, uh, mm-hmm. confronting mm-hmm. them, facing them, um, and and in doing that they diminish. Well, yeah, because I think if you even if you wrote them down they come up the things you'd say to yourself. I have some on camera when I was screwing up recording my course. And I was like, who would say that to another person? I'm saying it to myself. Like the worst things you could think of when I would screw up. Like why would like, so imagine you're saying that to another person and just write all the things down that you say to yourself and read them to another person or send that as an email to someone that would be awful. Um, So I think the more aware, because we hide that, that is something we hide because we think, oh, that's true. And yes. I don't want the world to, to see me this way. But it's yeah. actually not. Yeah. I don't know the full science behind it, but I believe all this relates to safety. And it's like old school paleolithic wiring that's left over in our brain that still drives us and fight or flight. And if you're kicked out of the tribe in the cave, so if your ideas aren't good or if it's not good, you know, if you're out of the cave, you're in big trouble. There's no light. There's no whatever, you know, the animals mm. and cliffs. Mm. Mm. And that's still, we're still guided by a lot of that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, you, um, you mentioned how one of the barriers holding you back was that, was that feeling that you were less than mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. less than others. And, 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 yeah. and this is a particular scourge, isn't it, of our, um, of our current age that it is extremely, in fact, it's impossible not to look at your um, at the metrics, at the numbers. You know, what you make a post on LinkedIn, it gets so many likes, and then that guy gets even more likes, or, or, yeah, or you yeah, do something yeah. that's great, and, and it, so it's, it's very difficult, isn't it, to um, to sort of extricate ourselves from this 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 constant comparison thing. Totally. But mm-hmm. while we're doing it, it becomes paralyzing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I. I remember when I first started sharing, I would more like checking how many followers or connections or likes something would get. What it changed for me and freed up now, I re- two things. I create for myself and this freedom to create. So in my work and in advertising, you have there's so many layers and it's not often reflective of what you would do. And so one, that's the first thing I focus on is the freedom. And I want it to be helpful, but I don't try and help everyone. I say, if this helps one person, if I send my newsletter out or post on LinkedIn or t- tweet, which I don't often do yet, if one person likes it, I'll assume that it's helped them and it's yeah. it's a success. And I yeah. think there's, yeah, there's so much of like the metrics and algorithms and all these hacks for how to get followers, X, this amount of followers and this amount of time but it's all crap you know i'd rather get them over t- over time and get them slower i don't post I, i've been posting once a week for two and a half years yeah. on linkedin that's it no yeah. and, and people so many people are saying you know on twitter you have to write these th- threads i'm just i eye roll at every thread i see i'm like yeah. oh, who are these people too change much your life and oh, i'm just like yeah, it yeah, makes me, yeah. me sick. But I think the opportunity is for good people to create good things. Over yeah. time, you'll build yeah. whatever, call it a good community or a good group of people. I've met so many amazing people since I started doing this. If I was a, a robot posting threads and starting every LinkedIn post with 
the formulas that are guaranteed to work. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would not be very, I would not have the joy and freedom that I do yeah, feel. Yeah. No. yeah. 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 Sure. So when you, uh, grew up, uh, in, in a, in a, a situation, you, you said you, your early life was chaotic, that there was mm-hmm. kind of a lack of structure and you, and you yeah. missed a lot of school. Um, and yeah. I think you, um, in a podcast I was listening to, you spoke of the lawlessness of your oh, childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was curious about this. Could you, could you elucidate mm. a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it's my, my dad wasn't around a ton. Uh, so I think in my mom, there was four boys and then we had a girl and she was in some ways the, the, the toughest one. Um, but yeah, we, we would, I don't know, I'll say beat on each other, but just, yeah, I think you could take that literally. Um, so there just wasn't much structure. We kind of ran things. My mom would, you know, threaten us with the wooden spoon and we would just go break all the wooden spoons in the house. And, um, we didn't want to go to school. We just didn't go. So my oldest brother never graduated high school. Uh, the one above him didn't. He later on went back later in life and got like the equivalent. Uh, I barely did. So I was in summer school every single year. Uh, I had no no electives or anything I could take in high school because I would take, I'd take intro math 11, for example, uh, and failed it maybe twice and then math 11 failed it and got, cause I was, I was probably at a grade eight level in every, everything. I don't know what I failed all of a sudden. If I didn't find, I found I had somehow all the answers to the chemistry 11 final exam. And, uh, that's the only way I graduated. So I, okay. I used them and they, they knew I cheated cause I had never, I don't think I'd passed it. Test or was like so. Well, I got I got through, and my life would be so different had so little things not happen. And then in terms of like just a chaotic in terms of the police and being at our house for different reasons for my brothers. uh, Yes, fighting like man. I my brothers used to be one of my older brothers would be like you and that kid. It's it was his birthday and I put a circle around us and me and this other kid have to go at it. Um, Cause I had two older brothers beating on me. I was like, it was one of, one of the only skills I had, I'd say as, as, as a kid, I was a decent soccer player and uh, I could uh, defend myself uh, yeah. if, if I had to. So that was it. I had had all kinds of scenarios like uh, I had a, a gun been held at gunpoint and once in high school, it was, a machete put in between my legs, like you name it. It was just, it was just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't that guy, but I was just miscast in this role and, and grew up. And <laughs> yeah. um, so I wasn't, I wasn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. Then, okay. then you know, but uh, I played a role the best I could and then started to find myself. And I didn't find creativity till late. Cause as part of that lawlessness, you know, we could stay up as late as we wanted. That's why we missed so much school. But I watched TV with my older brothers. I watched stuff I shouldn't have watched. They were both really funny. They were both, one of them was a musician. The other one wanted to be an actor. And so he had a camera and him and his buddies would film things. And I was really quiet, but I didn't realize it until I started doing like being a creative in advertising. You know, obviously it was just before that, that I had been sponging a lot of it up and started to, to speak more and try to be funny and realized I was, I was just uh, yeah. really quiet. And yeah, my mom was my first, uh, first audience and she was a good one, very supportive. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think without that, I wouldn't have you know found my creativity and changed kind of my path. Without your mom, your mom's support. Yeah. I think just, yeah. Her be, being there, she was there. My dad wasn't wasn't around, around and um, yeah. he's a, f- a funny funny guy, but uh, he's just doing his own thing. I said to him recently, so my oldest brother and his son were living with him for the last year and a half, and they just my brother got a job and got a place, and they moved out. And I said, "Oh, you're an empty nester again." He's seventies seventy six. 
He goes, again, this is the first time because that was your mother's nest. <laughs> this was mine. Uh, so <laughs> he knows he was, he wasn't around. And he's not like a, a hard, I had some friends in, in, you know, high school, or whatever, they'd come to my house and remember one guy said, I, I thought your parents, you know, would have Harleys and it would be a lot rougher. He goes, just based on my brothers and I, and yeah. he said, I'm pretty surprised. My mom is so sweet. Uh, they, yeah, she's a therapist and my dad's a psychiatrist. But I, I don't know what uh, parenting books they were following, but it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty wild. They're like loving for sure, but it was yeah. kind of hands off. Uh, yeah, yeah. led to us just running the show uh, yeah. poorly. So you, 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 you don't feel it was particularly, um, that, you, that, you, that you were particularly creative then, you know, obviously a lot of people I chat to on the podcast were, were writing or drawing or, or, or making things early on, but um, but you, you you not so much. You 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 got a job as a you were driving a forklift. Yeah, when you yeah. left school for a few years. So I had done. I tried a few different things in, in schools, and nothing was really sticking. And I never really did well in school. I just you know this talk about less than. Yeah, I I I just I just never felt comfortable in school. So I tried things and then stop and I got a job driving a forklift because there was a, it was a Fijian soccer league and they were allowed to have uh, non-Fijian players uh, as like ringers in their league. And one of the guys worked for Honda Canada. He was a manager there and yeah. said he could get me a job driving a yeah. forklift if I played for their soccer team in the summers. Uh, so <laughs> I, I got the job and uh, yeah, so um I uh, I worked there and then I just kept, I've always had had business ideas. And when I was in for one year, I was in a radio program, radio broadcasting program, and I had to write ads for the school station. It was the only time I felt seen by a teacher and where I loved school. I loved that class. Okay. And so I went back to driving a forklift after that because I didn't finish that program like everything I, I started. And then uh, I went to an ad agency. I was like, maybe that copywriting thing is something I could do. And went to school. After school, I didn't get uh, even an internship. So I went back to driving the forklift and playing soccer for the Fijian soccer team. And signed my contracts. And then uh, after that, I would just show my, I'd work on my portfolio a little bit while I was cruising around the warehouse. Yeah. Finally, someone was interested and said, you know, we are not hiring or looking for an intern, but you can go to this agency. I went to that agency and he was like, oh, are you looking for an internship or a, a job? I was like, well, if I have a choice, I'm just going to say, so I said, oh, a job. Yeah. Uh, and I was like a 50% pay cut from what I was getting driving the forklift. Um, and then, but it was a week to week contract. And then every Friday I'd have to ask, you know, can I come back Monday? Yeah. And he would say yes. And that went on for about three months. And then finally, I, I was hired full time. Yeah, great. Yeah. Have you driven a forklift since? I have not. No, I used to have above my desk because I, of course, I never even graduated the copywriting program. Um, you needed an internship to officially graduate. And I never got one. Okay. So I had my forklift driving certificate framed and, and put on the, my, my wall yeah. at work for the longest yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I I did a stint in a factory. Did you? Uh, um, uh, mirror wardrobes. Well, a few factories mm. actually after mm-hmm. after college. But I always used to look quite enviously at the forklift drivers. You see, I oh, I had yeah. a pallet pallet trolley. Oh yeah, know, which you you could you could ride quite quickly around. You could yeah, like a sort of scooter to go around. Yes, the, uh, I did that too. Go around the warehouse. Yeah, but the um, anyway. For, <laughs> did, you, did you learn anything? Do you did, did that foundation of of working in a proper job? You know, one of the things that that helped me for a while in my career, uh, not later on in my career, but they put me on, they kind of punished me because they were a union. And by bringing me back into the warehouse after I left for school and they were all like, oh, he thinks he's better than us. And then was kind of head down, walking back in in my heart, steel toe boots. So normally you'll do like a garbage shift for four hours a week. So they had me doing garbage for, I did it for three months. That's all I did. Garbage, garbage, garbage. 
it was the most mindless thing I could do. And I was like, I could work on my portfolio, like come up with ideas while I'm doing it. And I just kept telling myself, if I can do this job better than anyone, uh, when I get the job I really want, I'm going to be able to, that's going to be a cinch. And so that was something, because when you start your career, you don't have the best jobs. You're not getting the best opportunities. I I just used it all because I knew there were signs in school that I was good enough. There were, the school didn't see it and i and i i you know i think it's just based on i don't know if it's who i am or who i've become based on my childhood or who i was just never teachers just never would have picked me like yeah this guy he's he's our let's get him into this agency i think there's a reason i was not selected because they would help place um their students into you you go to these agencies and i remember there was one day i was one of 10 students left or maybe 20 and they gave everyone else a list of agencies to contact and not me. And I, but I had sent my book and my portfolio or book as we called it to a couple of top agencies. And I was the only one in the entire school to get a call back. So I knew I, I had it. They just didn't see me. I wasn't, I wasn't a bad student or a bad uh, kid or I was a man at the time. I was 27, I think. But I just didn't warm to them. I, you know, I was more, and I would, I would also speak up. I think because I was a bit older. <clears throat> I think they mistook that for an attitude. Yes, I was always kind, uh, in spite of whatever being called knuckles milk in, in high school. I, w- I was still kind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I just wasn't seen by them. And yeah. also, I was to start the program way further behind everyone else so it may have been judged a bit too early too but by the end i just threw enough science and i knew i had it and yeah. so i stuck with it yeah 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 so when, when it comes to advertising it's 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 interesting isn't it you know my my background is in sort of professional creativity advertising design branding this sort of thing mm-hmm. but i i sort of i feel a bit conflicted these days you know that i i i think on the one hand um, it's a great it, when it's done really well it can be a great thing that has its own intrinsic value you know some of the things mm-hmm. I enjoyed m- watching most when I was a kid mm-hmm. were these brilliantly funny commercials and I can still mm-hmm. look back at them and I show my own kids and they're, mm-hmm. and they're things which which I think have got a good reason for being beyond shifting beer or, or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever Yeah, but at the same time uh, the bulk of advertising is is dross, you know. Mm-hmm. Most stuff that we encounter is, is... And there are these people who work in the industry um, who, are, who are creative and have something to, to you know, something to contribute, mm-hmm. but get sort of, um, you know, there's a sort of vampiric thing where these big agencies will, will hoover up these people and, and take advantage of them a little bit. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so I'm curious um, I, I, for, for you as somebody who, who appreciates creativity in lots of different forms, how, how, how you sort of reconcile these, this, 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 this sort of these, these two facets, these two aspects of it really. Well, I think this ties into the fear, fears and all that. Cause I think a lot of people are creative. They just don't have, know how to use it. And if they were left on their own, they wouldn't make anything as much as we complain about these briefs. And if we didn't have them, I don't know that we'd be making anything. There's a quote. I don't know if I saw, if you shared it, it's a Banksy one, but I just, as you were talking, I had to, can, can I, I'm just going to read it to you now. Uh, yeah. The thing I hate the most about advertising is that it, it attracts all the bright, creative and ambitious young people, leaving us mainly with the slow and self-obsessed to become our artists. Thanks. Awesome. Because <laughs> yeah. I found that in my career, I'm just so impressed by the talent of the people who work in advertising, and and I yeah. I keep thinking to myself, often the things you think about other people, you're like, feel so stupid. You hold up a mirror. It's like I've been talking to myself. It's all a projection. But I've been yeah. for so long. I'd meet people and be like, you should not be. You should be making your own thing or doing your own thing. Yeah. What I. I don't care about advertising, but I do care about the people who work in it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. And really, as once I'm helping them, including myself, 
create more professionally in a less chaotic way uh, where it's less stressful and helping, I guess, the industry do it where it's less harmful to people. Mm. Ultimately, what I want to do is help creative people create for themselves. And I think there's just so much value in all the people I've seen and probably it applies to myself too, who have this ability that it does when you think about one, the process that is just so layered and, and really hurtful. It can, it is. And to experience that freedom to just do it for yourself, it's the opposite of all of that. And I, I asked a friend, he's a designer that's he's, I used to work with years ago and now he's got this company it's making millions. I don't know that he is, but the company is starting to. And I was doing some work for him and I said, hang on a second. I'm like, you're an idiot. Just like me. We worked at these places. I'm like, how come you're, what did it take for you to start doing something about it? And he, I said, like, how did you do this? What's the leap you took or what were you missing before that you recognize you never would have done it without this thing. And he said, I think he said, I needed the other guy, but other girl, other guy and who thought different than I did. And I think that is a key to creative people don't like structure and well, timelines or they're identified more with right brain. But I believe it's all these left brain things that are going to help you do it. And often the things that would stop me, the technology that I didn't understand to make a course, uh, very technical things. I would just give up so quickly. So it's either pushing through that and not letting your little Alan talk you out of it, or it's finding a partner who is not, does not think like you and you complement each other. I think for yeah. me, I just see it constantly, uh, whether it's finances or spreadsheets, anything in a spreadsheet by like wire start crossing and I don't want to touch it, but I have, those are the things I have to overcome to do it, to create more, to be able to create while I'm still working and an involved dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know even if I answered your, your question, I just kind of went off there, but I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it, you, you have to, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, one, one thing you and I have in common now is we are attempting to help other people become more confident creatively to, to be yeah. able to overcome that to push their allens to one side for a little bit at least and and yeah. and, and do whatever they want to do and, and and certainly to me that feels um a lot more meaningful than than trying to sell beer it has to be said yeah because i i for a while i was like i would like my own product like what i just couldn't come up with one right. i was like what does the world need? It's just, I just kept coming to nothing. So then I was like, oh, so then I just have a job that I'm like, yeah, okay, it's okay. And I've been doing it for a while. I can never make anything. Yet here I am, I'm going to sell this brand and that brand. But I don't feel like the world needs anything. So, uh, I, but then it turns out, you know, this book and through this course, we'll see. I mean, I, I might one day have something, but... Yeah, I don't know what it is. Because then you think about the any products I've thought of and source. I'm like, how much damage is this causing you know to the earth, or what is it taking away? And yeah, I like, don't yeah. think that's the answer for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, yeah. I, I, I've, I've in researching the uh, our conversation today, mm -hmm. I li I've listened to a couple of podcasts that you've done, mm -hmm. and I really get the sense um, through listening to them that this. This whole experience of, you know, I don't know, the last six months, let's say, yeah. has been something of a renaissance for you. You know, I, I, I sense the, the sort of energy about you and, the, you mm -hmm. know, it, it feels as if you are, um, you know, there, there, there is a lot of positivity around what, what's happened uh, with this, this book breaking and, and this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I think, do you know what I think might be happening is for whatever reason, I did choose to identify by as less than you know and this and i wrote the book it was the first I, I wrote it for me because of what we've been talking about i had so many ideas i never finished anything and i was just so focused on i just had to finish something that was it because i knew as soon as i finished it i would be able to do the next thing i i did not think for five minutes 
about how it would be received or that people were actually going to read this thing. And so I was terrified when I published it. And, uh, and then people started to say nice things about it. And I was like, oh, that's because they know me. And then the next compliment from someone that I didn't know personally would be, well, that's because they like my newsletter and like me, not because it's actually good. And then it just kept happening. And honestly, I would like be brought to tears. And I knew there was, you know, in spite of telling myself I was less than, it was very protective and partly to do with my childhood. But I also knew I was capable of so much more. But I just wasn't doing it. And so this, I think for me, it has been, I just felt so much pride. And yeah. I'm starting to tap into that potential. And what was it yesterday? There's a few things I, I wanted to get done that I told myself. For me, not paid work. My eyes opened. It was 3.30 in the morning. And I knew we had a busy day with the kids and stuff. This is my only time to do it. I tried to go back to bed. I was in there for half an hour. Nothing would have gotten me out of bed like that before. And I just was like, and I could do it. I just sat for four hours until they got, and I, I'm just so in it. I just genuinely love it. I don't say driven right now, but I'm just enjoying it. And I could never have done that for my paid work at any point. And this is now, I said, I was working on that course and I was feeling guilty. I was like, oh, I should really start working. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, oh, wait, this is working. Like, this is how it yeah. can feel. I'm starting to taste that. So, yeah, it has been – I just feel so great right now. Yeah. Um, it's been a long, long time coming for me. And this to anyone like who's listening who wants to do something different and isn't, like all of this is on the other side of doing something, and it doesn't have to be the exact – thing oh this is what i want to write i want to be a doctor that's what i've always wanted you don't have to know just has to be one of your ideas do it and then another little light's gonna open over here and you open that door and then you open this one and it'll be dark and then whatever you just keep the doors start to appear once you start doing things they don't appear when you're just thinking about doing things Absolutely, and that, and that's 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 a really nice way, I think, for us to transition on uh, some of the content in the mm-hmm. book. Um, sure. So, not everybody listening to this, in fact, quite a lot of people listening to this, won't be involved in the world of advertising. But I think yeah. everyone listening to this is curious about creativity, and and there are truths to me in the book um, mm. that are, that are kind of universal. And just talking about that, um, you know, what, I, one of the great barriers to people doing something is the fear about quality, isn't it? you know, yeah. that, that it won't be any good. And it seems to me that there are a number of, of killers of creativity. Yeah. But, 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 but quality and the question of quality is a big one, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And we rush to evaluate very often the first thing we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as soon as you start evaluating, then, then, then you're basically stopping, aren't you? You're stopping creating. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, but that is where it starts. And you think if you just look, I don't know, in the air, those are all kind of no ideas. It's, it's the straight version. And then there's the surface, which you're like, okay, the surface level ideas. And that's often where you start. And I think often people will start there. But you have to dig down a layer and, and, and any any good idea I've ever come up with hasn't come six layers down something bad in the surface floating around in the air started on the surface dug down a layer maybe there's like I hit a rock so then I went over here and I dig down this hole like and then you just dig down my that book the amount of times I wanted to quit and how many versions and iterations yeah it was so it was so bad for so so long uh that yeah, you have to start there. But you're right. It when it when I when I felt it was bad, I definitely wanted to stop. You just have to yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a nice um, you, t- you you uh, there's a a notion in the book that you pinch from Tom Monaghan that that bad ideas mm. are like crap, 
or, or, or yeah. actually fertilizer. The more crap you have, the bigger your ideas will grow. In the yeah. end. it's yeah. it's almost like we um, you got to st- you, you you just got to kind of dig through the, the the crap, haven't you? Get 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 some of the the obvious stuff out of the way first. Totally, perhaps. Yeah, and he does this thing. It's kind of obviously not too different from you know the morning pages, where it's hundred mile per hour think writing. No thinking. His is thinking. And that's where you just write down ideas as many as you can. Yeah. That gets you over Alan, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. shuts Alan up and you just get going. It's not about judging how yeah. good or bad they are. And his yeah. whole thing is it's easier to come up with 50 bad ideas quickly than it is to come up with three great ones. Yeah. And within those 50 bad ideas, there'll be something you can dig into because they're not all bad. It's just about tricking your mind really like you do have to find ways to trick it to get things done i'm learning a lot about the brain and reading about how it works i find it so fascinating i find it so mind-boggling that you know creative professionals creative companies creative industries most know nothing about how the brain works yeah here's this timeline you need to get this done by that date and we're all working with this thing just pushing it in ways it like we could use it so much more efficiently but yeah. they know nothing about it, and that's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, there, there, there's um, just on 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 the on the writing thing. The um, the, the Norwegian writer Karl Ove Nausgaard um, mm. has talked about every morning he gets up and he picks a word completely at random, <laughs> you know, like tooth or orange or yeah. book, and he just starts writing about that yeah. thing, and, and he has no regard for the quality of what he's writing or, or, or whether it means anything, but it's just, that's the starting yeah. point. And, and, awesome. and I think that sort of arbitrariness uh, can be, can be great as a mm-hmm. sort of just, just do. Um, yeah. What is it? Write it straight, then say it great. Is it? Yeah. Say it straight, then say it great, which uh, I didn't, I didn't write. Uh, that was from uh, Hey Whipple, Squeeze This by Luke Sullivan. It was something I thought I thought it was an original, uh, but then I, I reread his book. I actually paid someone to reread his book, uh, an editor, and read mine because I thought I had just written a worse version of, of his book because <laughs> it was so influential because I read it and there was a few things I knew I'd taken from that book, but that was one line that I thought yeah. was of mine that uh, turns out it wasn't. So for 15 years, <laughs> uh, that was mine. Yeah. But that, that's that's exactly what we're talking about is just get something out. And, and and the course that I'm doing is called Writing Under Pressure. So it's when you don't have much time. And one of the tips in there is that say it straight, then say it great. And I break it down a little bit. But I'm like, sometimes if you don't have much time, it's okay to just say it straight and send it yeah. off. Yeah, um, yeah, there's a yeah. quote, was it? Sometimes the best headline to sell a horse is horse for sale. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. sometimes we complicate it so much. We stress so much over it, but try so hard to be creative yeah. at times where we don't really need to be. And, yeah. you know, well, that's a, it's a good place to start and it gets you going. One, one, one of the things I, I, I really loved, um, I, I underlined a few things, but um, uh, it really gave me pause for thought, was, was when you were talking about being stuck and uh, trying to feel instead of think when you're stuck for a word. I thought this was great. Can you, could you just elaborate on that a little bit for us and uh, explain what you mean there? Yeah. I think in that section too, I think we get too heady and we often take creativity too serious and that um, causes us to get stuck. So it's just feeling more getting into your body to feel for a word. And, or what, it, what does it feel like? It's almost like an analogy, a word for comfort. Let's say it's pants. If you're just thinking, or what we do is go to thesaurus.com and we fire comfort in and you get words that are very much like comfort. But if you typed comfort and did a Google image search, you would get all, you would get like a home cooked meal, lasagna, or hot chocolate, or a cuddling, or hands holding. I think you'd get to more interesting places. If it's exciting, and it's for, let's say, whatever, I'm looking at a car out the window, and you felt for it, 
what was exciting in your life. Nothing related to cars. Obvious one is like a roller coaster, but maybe it was an exciting like love or encounter and you somehow work that into the car. Mm. And so mm. this is a whole other podcast interview, but that tip I've never shared. I've never, this is an exclusive. I've never shared. I've been asked kind of about this twice, but I've never um, gone into it. I'll tell you where that tip came from. There was a guy I knew who was part of a program that was like the self-helpy program. And he got it from the guy running that program. And that program was recently, like two years ago, called a, a sex cult. And that guy who I got that tip from essentially <laughs> has been sentenced to like five or six life sentences back to back to back. Yeah, like 200 years. No Pretty way. crazy. It was, it was based out of New York. So I okay. always knew that that tip came from that guy <laughs> and so really that's where it came from uh, okay okay so yeah. you know sex cults aren't all bad is that exactly right? the yes. message of the podcast yes don't judge a sex cult by <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was um uh, yeah i think i think that's really nice you know for, for, for anybody getting sort of it bogged down in executional yeah. details, you know, in, yeah. in, in the sort yeah. of material. It's just a sort of stepping back, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of a reframing and thinking, yes. really, what is the feeling yeah. here? Um, now I've ruined it. I've ruined it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, it does it does help me. Because when you're stressed or anxious, you're often in, in your head. You are tense. And I think that also yeah. helps you relax. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just feel, yeah. for, feel for the word or experience. So you alluded there to to, to um, being curious about the about the brain and um, yeah. and one of the things that is exciting about working in the field of creativity at the moment is we are slowly beginning to understand more about how our how our brains work. Um, is is there anything you've discovered um, of late that has been illuminating about I brain mean, and creativity? Something something kind of funny. Uh, I heard recently, I think it's called cross crawling. And so when there's a lot of exercises that are brain exercises. So when a baby is learning to crawl, it's right hand forward, left leg forward. It's opposites. Okay. And you know, whatever your left brain controls, controls the right side of your body and vice versa. Yeah. And so when you move like that, so what that's doing is it's like connecting left and right brain and it, they're good exercise to stimulate the brain. So when you're walking to walking, it's why they say like, take a walk in creativity. There's all kinds of science to back yeah. that up. That's one reason. It's also, we're more relaxed if you're walking or take a shower because your the chemical dopamine is released and they've studies have shown that dopamine enhances creativity, which is why like professional creatives, it's so hard when you don't have the answer to something, if you haven't you don't have the ideas yet. You just keep pushing and pushing and pushing is what we do. It's so hard to walk away to something that's unresolved because to our yeah. brain, the caveman brain, it feels unsafe. And Alan gets joins in. But if we understand that all of that is just lies, our body and mind are telling us to feel safe. Yeah. You can walk away, which is really healthy. And that's how we get the answers. I've, I've read, we have about four hours of like creative energy in a day and it's best to be broken up. I think there's one very precise study that was like 52 minutes on 17 off. Uh, wasn't exactly for, you know, our, our what we do for creativity. I mean, there's so, so much I've learned just so much. Most we're most likely to be creative in the morning. So just after waking, waking up, uh, there's this one book called, uh, Mind Management, Not Time Management by Kadavi. Last name's Kadavi. I want to say Chris, but I don't want to get it wrong. So Kadavi, K-A-D-A-V-Y. It's an awesome book. And he was like, in writing his book, he's like, some days I'll sit for 12 hours, but in 15 minutes, all of my writing came in that 15 minutes. What if I could just find those 15 minutes? And he was obsessed yeah. with it. And so he yeah. brought a lot of structure into his work and he learned so much. And he, well, he'll take weekends off. He knows Monday mornings, that's his peak time. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, second, then Wednesday. So podcast, he has a podcast too. 
Thursdays, he'll do like podcast interviews and Fridays, he'll do finances and that kind of stuff. But he knows it, it fades throughout the week and he's backed it all up by science. So those, those are some of the things I've learned. I'm, I'm, there's so much you can look at diet and what we eat that works against us. Um, the ability to state change, what the ideal state is, our brains are under pressure versus relaxed. And there's a great line from this. It was a Harvard study and she was talking about, Oh, I'm going to forget the line. She says, well, oh yeah, we're not meant to creativity is not meant to be under the gun, but we can at least learn to dodge some bullets. And she yeah. goes into, it's just a fascinating, there's a lot of research done that I think creative industries are <laughs> ignoring. So I think it's connecting the left brain and right brain is going to help, help a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's a fascinating area. On, on the subject of time of day, I, I read a piece in the, in the Guardian about some research which suggested that if you were a morning person you sh- and you, you seek to come up with really original ideas, you should try working at night mm-hmm. and vice versa. The thinking being that if, if you're alert at that point, then your, your prefrontal cortex, your sort of rational executive mm-hmm. part of your brain is active. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a bit dopey, <laughs> then it, it's disengaged. Yeah. And when it's disengaged, that's when the really interesting sort yeah. of uh, networking can, can, yeah. can happen in your brain, which I thought yeah. was fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah I've, re- I've, read, I've read that too. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I, I think it depends on the type of creativity you're working yeah. on, what you're focused on. Because I know I told myself I was a, a night owl for the longest time and I worked better at night, but then I'd be at work all day. <laughs> I was like, oh, now I got to go to work. I just didn't have much, yeah, yeah. Of, a, much of a life. So I, I don't know. I do, I, do, I do both now. I work yeah. early and late. But I, I think what I love about being up early is just how quiet it is. And I can focus. Yeah. There's no distractions. And yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I think as, um, as, uh, as we advance, as we get a little older, <laughs> it's a bit easier to get up. I, I, you know, when you've got families, right, I, yeah. I love the mornings, you know, for the yeah. quietness. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. How I'm old are you. your kids? Uh, so my, uh, 11 and 14. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're, they're well out of the way early mornings. In fact, it's, um, it's quite hard to get them up. Yeah. yeah. I started late, so my... The daughter is only two and my son is six. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they, they are good sleepers. They get up around. That's my father-in-law. He's oh, whenever like someone wants babies napping, he suddenly has to pick up a hammer. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know, someone's doing something. <laughs> anyway. I, I was curious about where you go for inspiration. I mean, I just follow my questions. So I get, and I, I often start with the things I struggle with and then so let's say what's something I, well, I struggled with like confidence in, in writing headlines, which I ended up writing a book about. I'm no longer insecure about that ability, but within that, what are all the moments that I struggled with the most? One of them was being put up, put on the spot creatively. Um, yeah. So someone's like, Hey Dan, you're a writer you know, in a boardroom. What's a clever way of saying this? And, and I felt like, well, he's right. I am a writer. I should be able to do this. And, ah, and I panic and, you know, want to just run through the window. So I look into that and it turns out that's highly relatable. And so I'll just start digging into that. Yeah. And then I just ask, I'm asking questions and digging mm-hmm. into it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then those will lead to other questions. I'm just following all these questions and they start with things I've struggled with. And then I just try and put the pieces together. And then, uh, you know, I love just comedy and nothing. I don't listen to enough of that. I, I, would like to find some more time to do that. But occasionally I just listen to nothing. And the beauty of that is, you know, you were talking about starting with any word and inspiring something. It's, it's cool to connect things when you listen to something completely unrelated, but I am doing all this work. It's something I realized recently, you know, they always say creativity is a combination of two elements coming together to create something new. But I've thought about those two elements. Like often when I'm being creative, the elements are all coming from one area. Yeah. But what's another area? And so that's why it's so important to consume other things. I'm already interested in all of this, but if I listen to 
Ricky Gervais interviewed on a podcast about something. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, that fits in with yeah. this, and this is funny here. And so I think it's, it's really important to find the second thing uh, in yeah. whatever it is you're doing, and it's some, that's when something new emerges. Uh, There's yeah. a nice line by Amanda Palmer, he says, that I, I only came across recently. She says, um, uh, uh, we, we, we can only connect the dots we collect. Ah, um, awesome. Which is a good sort of cry out to, to just consume more cultural stuff and inspiration. I, I, one of the things that I've uh, found myself doing over the last few years is um, accumulating this kind of um, uh, collection of creative heroes, you know, people who mm. I think are really sort of on the money when it comes to the creative process. People like, for me, it's, it's David Lynch and um, mm. Sister Carita Kent, the nun who I often find myself talking about. Uh, Marina Abramovich, I think, is really interesting, yeah. the, the artist on creativity. I, I, I wondered who, who, who your creative heroes are, apart, apart from your fa- fa- father-in-law with his deft way with a hammer. I just texted my wife. I've used a, <laughs> a few exclamation points in the text. <laughs> right. It, it um, gives the whole thing a, a nice air of authenticity. Yeah, hopefully it's not as loud uh, for you as it is for me. Um, my father-in-law is an inspiration, I would say. <laughs> no, um, no, he is. In, in, in doing this work, one name that keeps coming up that I would say I wasn't, not that I wasn't a fan of, I always admired his work. But I never fully understood his or knew his process. And it's uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, He's just, I heard him on the Tim Ferriss podcast. And he he wasn't funny at all. He he was very serious. And he just talked about his creative process. He's so intelligent. He's very much, when you talk about embracing structure, he, he writes every single day for at least an hour he does things that that i've done setting a timer and the reward for him is the ding-a-ling-a-ling at the at the end and just getting to that timer he's also very sensitive so i think he had struggled with depression i don't think he's ever struggled with it i think he's very proactive i think even you listen to his comedy but he had talked about early on he learned that creative people especially comedians were more um sensitive and more likely to experience depression and things like that. And he said, well, when I learned that, it actually made me feel pretty good because um, I said, I wouldn't have this without that. So that's part of the kit that comes with it. Let's go. Uh, And he also seems to like, he had, he had a line in that interview where he said, the mind is infinite in its wisdom, but the brain is like a stupid little dog that is easily trained. And I was, this when I saw that, I was starting to separate the two, my mind and brain, to think about like the Alan and then this, like it is an idiot. Like I've been letting this idiot control me and determine what I do and what I don't do. You do have to lead your brain, not the other way around. I think most of us are, okay, well, that's what it said. So I must be terrible and this must be bad and it will never get good. So I'll stop. Why is it happening? And he's, he's a big, a proponent of, of meditation that's something he does daily um, and tim ferris does as well and they talked a lot about that so he takes care of his brain he knows what it needs uh, knows what he needs so yeah he, he definitely comes to mind i must, I must listen to that interview i, oh, I, yes. I, I i've been thinking about comedy quite a bit recently and the um you know what, what, to me one of the really interesting things about comedy is the space it leaves for the audience you know the gap. I think it might be Jerry Seinfeld who's talked about this actually. Um, that that if you, if you leave too, or possibly it's in your book. Um, there, there I am. You see, like you, just sort of stealing um, bits from somebody else's book. <laughs> yeah. there, the, 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 so, in a joke, there is in a good joke, there's just enough space for the audience to mm-hmm. connect the dots, and it's yeah. in connecting the dots that we find the humour. And if that mm-hmm. gap's too small then it's just kind of obvious. There's no surprise. Mm-hmm. And if the gap's too big, then the joke is opaque and we don't yeah, really get it. Cool. And, and judging that space is critical in comedy. I think it's critical in, in advertising. Yeah. And to a degree, it's kind of important in all art, isn't it? That, that there has to be the space for the viewer or the listener or the reader to, to participate in the work and, and to complete yeah. the work. Well, that's, I think that's a gift 
and it's also rewarding the reader. Like it's it's like you know we think when someone throws out a wrong answer on watching Jeopardy, and you know the answer, like you idiot. It's kind of it's kind of like that that feeling, you know, them getting to put something together or even saying something that's incorrect and giving rewards to the reader. Uh, that's really part of the editing process when I go through. Obviously, the more time you have, the better those spaces are. But it is something, you know, I was just writing my newsletter. Was it, it was last night. I've not sent it yet. I usually send it today. But, you know, the, the CSE, I wrote a line and then I had a GIF. And I was like, yeah. it was showing the exact same thing I was saying. So I was like, how can I write this line? So this yeah. image finishes it. I and they're like, ah, this is what he meant. I've got that. I figured that out. So what yeah. can you take away to give uh, a little gift? So yeah, the more time you have, the better it can be. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it feels good when you write it and, and it feels good to, to read too. And as, as you sort of, obviously you're kind of in the thick of it at the moment with the book um, happening and the course, um, we, we we would only bore listeners, I think, if we turn this into a therapy session about making a course, but Jesus, oh, I didn't man. realize how hard it was going to be. Um, Holy uh, hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, let's, let's put that to one side. Uh, so w- w- do you, do you look at the sort of, you know, do you look down the line a little bit and see how things might go for you or are there, are there longer term ambitions now that you, you, yeah. you have? I have, I have lots of uh, ideas and things I want to do. Some of them I'm pursuing, not really knowing, but just like the book, I could never have predicted um, where it's gone and how it's being received. I had an email from a university in the States message me saying, I understand you've done commencements and would you be a keynote speaker for a brand symposium at our university? And my first thought is like, what is wrong with this person? Like to my wife, I've some, just received an email with someone with a serious head injury. And then, because yeah. uh, I'm like, I just wrote this thing sitting in my son's room while he was at school. You know, like I, I wrote the <laughs> thing that I needed to help me. And so I just responded and was like, I've never you know, I've spoken, I've, I've become somewhat known during a pandemic. So I've spoken yeah. to some people virtually and I said, but I'll do it. Uh, and then we talked and I, I don't know that I will, that it will be a fit, but um, yeah, I guess I'm saying you can't possibly predict where things will, will lead you. So some things I'm pursuing, like even, even the course, I don't know that I want to do a bunch of courses. I have ideas for several, mm-hmm. but I had to finish one to kind of know, how yeah but i'll tell you what what switches once you start it was just the book for me mm-hmm. but the first videos you know when i was struggling like first i had to order lights and then i was where am i going to shoot i didn't really have a place in our home and those are the kind of things that were just oh well there's the perfect reason not to do it because yeah. i don't have anywhere to record it i didn't have the confidence to speak on camera which i didn't have the confidence to do a podcast interview a year ago. So you start, so I kind of got excited when I started and I got the lights and I learned a bit, little bit about how to set up lighting. And then I bought a fancy microphone and I learned a little bit about that and where to position it. And then I had to get comfortable recording. And at first I was so frustrated because the, you know, like the welcome to my course video. Um, <laughs> it's, there's, I don't have a script. I don't have a prompter. Yeah. Uh, so I have some notes and they were on sticky notes on my, and then the first ones I had covered the camera partially with my sticky notes because I didn't know where to put them. And I got a little bit angry as you can see in some of the outtakes or frustrated, but I just had a moment was like, whoa, just like the book, mm. I'm going to get so good at this. Mm. Like I am, this is maybe apologies to the people who've already bought my course, but the, the pile of manure of, of my course that I'm, the fertilizer that it's going to be the worst thing I do. And I had someone tell me, a friend said, you know, if your first course is super polished, then you, you started way too late. Um, right. That's good advice. I find great. that reassuring. Yeah. So I, I, it got to a point where I loved it. I loved not being good at it or yeah. struggling. And I was like, now my, my whole mindset has changed to like, I'm going to grow so much here. I'm going to learn so much. And that's what yeah. makes me feel all the things I was missing. So yeah. that's why it, 
I say it almost doesn't matter what you do. Just like pick something and all of those moments that make you want to freak out or that's it. That's the key. And they're not as big as we make them on the other side. You're like, Oh, this is how it feels. This is that feeling I wanted. It's, it's in those moments when you can't do something for me anyway, that I stopped. And now I realize that they're, and those reactions get smaller. The more I do this, it's like, ah, I almost, I smile a lot quicker. I'm like, yes. When before it was, uh, the fear would stop me. That's a great place to finish, Dan. Um, mm-hmm. Lovely. Um, uh, yeah, really, really, really nice place to finish, I think, for for, for me and for, for everyone listening. So um, thank you so much for um, for taking the time to, to talk to me today. It's been, it's been great to chat to you. It has been great. So thanks for, for bringing all of this out of me, some things I, I didn't uh, think I would share. And uh, <laughs> now uh, I'll share my wife's uh, age and weight. No, I won't. Uh, no, thank you. It's so, so great to, to meet you. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're a long way away. Um, but, uh, but maybe, maybe we can have a beer one day. Uh, might, it might be, it might be happening. Yeah. I don't know, later this year, or I know you're in Wales, but I might be in, in London next year. That, 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 that would be wonderful. So, um, Dan Nelkin, um, thank you very much for joining me on the Wind Thieved app. Thanks, Richard. So there we go, Mr. Dan Nelkin. I do hope we get to have that beer one day. If you've not yet come across a self-help guide for copywriters, I'd highly recommend you have a read, even if you're not a copywriter. Dan's also recently launched his first online course, Writing Under Pressure, which in his own words is all about building your craft and confidence when you have to write headlines and you're up against a crap deadline. I'll put links to the book and the course along with some of the other things we talked about in the show notes. This will be the last episode of The Wind Thieved Hat for a little while at least as I step back to take a break from the pod and some other things and recharge. But if you're a newcomer, then I really encourage you to take a listen back through some of our previous episodes. There are some some really great conversations in there. But for now, wishing you all love and peace from South Wales. Goodbye. <laughs>